Welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller, North by Northwest. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm Dave Forsyth. And I'm Todd Lucas. And you're that guy over there. Um, we are from the eventually-to-be-released Movies by Minute podcast, Edge of Tomorrow Minute, where we will look at the movie Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat or All You Need Is Kill or uh, no, it's just Edge of Tomorrow Minute. Yeah. Uh, one minute at a time. Nothing with kill because it's got plenty of killing. So It does have plenty of killing, but not in the actual title. Right. So, But we'll talk about that on that podcast. Here, today, we're going to talk about the movie North by Northwest, uh, specifically Minute 61, but we will be here with you for the next two weeks talking over the next 10 minutes of this film. So, so yeah, if you, if you really hate us so far, just tune out and come back in, I would say 10 days, but you know, you get to count 10 business days, 10 business days. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, the minutes right after ours are the best minutes, you know, well, they're certainly the most iconic. <laughs> we get all the good lead up minutes, but minute 61 begins with Philip Van Damme and Leonard, his attache, his, uh, butler, his henchman in a private train car. Um, and it ends with Mr. Thornhill complaining about how he could collapse at any moment. But not yet. But not yet. He might do that in minute 62, but not here. So Leonard, played by Martin Landau, uh, passes said note to Van Damme, played by James Mason. Uh, and Van Damme looks to the note as if he needs cheaters or cataract surgery or something. And then a smile slowly creeps onto his face. And creep is the appropriate word. Creep is the appropriate word. Leonard gives him a hard stare. It's hard. The entire time. Like, unwavering. It's kind of, I don't know, smoldery. Smoldery, yeah. Which Martin Landau had in interviews, I don't recall when he first gave this interview where he talked about this, but he said that he was playing Leonard as a closeted gay man. And not just that, but he's in love with Van Damme, so. And he's in love with his... His boss. What? What? Yeah, what's yeah? I was gonna say, what's the opposite of the henchman in that relationship? It's just uh, I don't know, criminal mastermind, <laughs> criminal mastermind. Yeah, and we'll talk more about whether or not Van Dam is a criminal mastermind a little bit later. Right, but but uh, yeah, he so uh, Landau ran this past Hitchcock, and they talked about it whether this might add a little depth to the character that otherwise might just be a fairly stale. You know, go shoot that guy or go make that phone call. Yeah, because otherwise, uh, you know, he was going to have to play it as, hey, look, I'm the tall guy who's kind of creepy, you know. Yeah, with with great hair. Yeah, he's got great eyebrows. Great hair, but, you know, he's no Jaws, so I don't think I would have been really intimidated by just that. Yeah, right. He's <laughs> he's tall and looks great in his slim slides, <laughs> you know, but, um, but he doesn't really strike the fear of you know, whatever deity into you. So, but yeah, this note, since we've been watching this movie, we, we know what this note says, it, right? It says it's a, it's from Eve, obviously. And it's asking Van, what do I do with Thornhill in the morning? Which implies a few things. It's like, uh, he's, she's definitely going to sleep with him at the end of this minute. <laughs> Not this minute, but you know, she's intending to at least spend the night with him. So, right. And I forget if we know uh, at this point whether or not Eve and Van Damme are in a relationship. I don't think we know that. We don't. And uh, I always assumed that until I, you know, 
watched through the movie the first time that they weren't, that they were just working together, that she was another one of his pawns. Right. Yeah. Finding out that their relationship together makes this minute eh, really icky. Yeah. Because Van Damme seems, I don't know, at worst proud of her. Yeah. It's like, oh, good, good girl. That girl that I'm dating to put herself, put herself out there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Um, It does bring a whole new level to, to their relationship, um, which, which like, as we said, will, will play out actually quite a bit later in this. Oh yeah. Right. I I don't, I don't think we find out. Oh gosh. Spoilers. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we find out to quite a bit later that, that they, that they're in a romantic relationship, but, uh, yeah, so um, so we know that what this note says. Although in this this minute, it sort of remains a, uh, a mystery. But the camera pans to the left of Van Damme and Leonard, and essentially into the wall of the train, which seems to be about four, or maybe five foot thick. Somehow, it is. It is a very. It's a. Uh, it's a fallout shelter train. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Yeah, but it it pans through the very thick walls of the of the train, and it emerges outside of the train uh, as the train speeds through a bend to the left so that the camera moves to the left and the train is moving to the left so that that move is almost a little dizzying to me i i I felt you know the the camera eventually locks into place and then we just get a very nice sunset view of the train disappearing towards some mountains um into a tunnel in the distance but that initial move it's a little bit of a little bit of motion induced Vertigo? Mm. To, oh, no, wait. Wrong, wrong movie. movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, Psychosis, perhaps, but I, I don't think that's right either, so. Yeah, no. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to assume that might have just been a me thing, uh, or maybe some yeah. other motion-sensitive types. Well, I, I saw what you're getting at, but the thing is that, you know, the technology didn't really exist to kind of, you know, track things together like that. They weren't using, you know, computer-controlled camera moves or anything to kind of keep it flat. You know, they had a pan that was really just the camera pivoting. And then they had another shot that was a camera, you know, being hung from the outside of a train. And yeah, and right. it's not even stabilized. You could tell it kind of shakes back and forth there, just as the car in front of it does. The train spotters on the online will tell you that this is this this footage does not match the narrative right. train, right? The the train is supposed to be the twentieth century limited, traveling from New York's Grand Central to Chicago's LaSalle Street Station. But that, I keep wanting to call it video, but it definitely was not video. That image was most likely of a another train altogether. So it, it's probably from uh, something on the Southern Pacific train somewhere in California because that that's, sort of matches up with, with the geography and would have been an easy thing to shoot B-roll of. And plus the way that the, the train is situated on that run from New York to Chicago, that that large body of water would never really be on the left of the right. train. Like, yeah, I don't know of any, you know, body of water anywhere in between that would have been on the left that would have been big enough to pretend. Well, especially with, with a mountain range. That, that's the true. So, I mean, there are really no mountains once you get down out of the Appalachians. So, yeah, right. So, so yeah, I think, you know, that sort of triggered my, uh, my train sense, which I don't really have, um, but uh, you know, being a uh, East Coaster now, who spent a lot of time in Chicago, um, like forty years, yes, living in Chicago, I, I'm just a little time. <laughs> I'm familiar with the geography around it, so it it it, it tripped my uh, it tripped my Chicago sense 
Yeah. And I thought that wasn't right. So I looked it up and it turns out it is not right. Yep. So it's good to have an expert on board. So <laughs> literally it does fade out on the sunset and then it fades in on the train passengers disembarking the number 4044 New York central line at Chicago's LaSalle street station. Um, and this is either a great set or they shot it on location willing to bet they shot it on location. Although, you know, with a lot of these, I don't know if this is actually a technicolor movie, but like early color movies, the focus depth always makes the backgrounds look like, look like they're green screened in. Yeah. And did they even have green screen technology that far back? I didn't think they were doing compositing yet. So yeah, if they were doing compositing at all, it would have been like rear projection where the, you know, the actors were literally set up in front of a screen, which would have totally freaked me out. I was thinking about that with the, the whole shot where they're walking towards the camera and talking to each other. And like, well, they could have had a camera yeah. just take that shot and then they could have been projecting it behind them. But what are they doing? I mean, are they on a treadmill? What's going on? Yeah. Once you've set up a camera to take that shot, it, it would be easier to just have the people walk and talk. Yeah, about it, so. I would hope so. But yeah, I agree with you. The, the, the whole movie does that to me and it, a lot more when it's outdoors, something about the sunlight, I guess was messing with the, the technology, but, uh, you know, everyone seems so crisp and focused and almost having like a, you know, a comic book edge, nice and sharp. And then everything in the background, like you said, looks like it's being projected on a nice grainy screen. Yep. It's definitely so with the the long row of, of buildings you see in the background here in Chicago, but right now we're, we're seeing the stars of this minute, right? We see Eve Kendall, uh, leaving the train with a, with a rather handsome baggage porter, um, in a bright red cap and a smart looking uniform that seems expertly tailored to him, which is a little weird given what we learn in a a bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we see two other red cap porters, uh, waiting for other passengers. Even her porters start walking to the exit, but hesitate for a second. They sort of spot something in the distance. And the camera shot reverses and we see what it is that they're looking at. And it's two detectives who questioned Eve in her train car or her drawing room in the previous, well, the previous night. I don't know if it was the previous minute or not, but, and there's, they're sort of storming towards her and they're, they're, they're clearly on a mission. Right. Well, they, they seem to think that she's their only good link to finding Thornhill. Um, they may actually be smarter than they look, but. It doesn't make any difference right. when once Eve gets a hold of him. Right. We see Eve tell her porter, who clearly at this point is we see as Thornhill, it's Cary Grant. To she tells Thornhill to keep going and she'll catch up, and he's the help, so he becomes invisible. At this right. Point. You know he starts walking away. <laughs> In my notes, I wrote Detectives Laurel and Hardy. Right. Um, stop Eve. I don't know who they what their real names. I didn't go back. To I literally spent half an hour pouring through the the cast list on imdb and there are many law enforcement many. Uh, uh names in there and i could figure out who some of them were and none of them came up as these guys i i don't know have a clue so i'm sorry guys you look great yeah i i called them de- detectives lauren hardy because they were wearing their caps and one is fatter than the other you know yeah. so um, the, the, just, the ties tied way too short to kind of give them away. So the, the pants pulled up way too high. Although that yeah. apparently was the style at the time. So God, I hope not. <laughs> I, I'm sure that it was. So, so they, they stop her and they ask her if she has anything to report. And here, uh, she gives a masterclass in what I call screwing with the cops. So she, they say, uh, do you have anything to report? And she proudly reports. Well, yes, uh, I, had yes, a I had a five night's sleep. sleep. 
yeah, thanks. Yeah. Not what we meant, and you know it, and you know it. Yeah, and they, and they know that she knows it, and there's not a thing they can do. Well, they're, and they're like good cops talking to an attractive blonde lady in a in a smart suit. Uh, I mean, she she isn't even really engaging them with eye contact. She's sort of like looking at their at their ties or something like that. But anyway, she they they clarify that they're actually inquiring about the same person that they had asked her about last night. She plays extremely dumb and she says, "You mean this Thornycroft guy?" Oh, Mr. Thornycroft. Thornycroft. Well, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's a real name. Sounds like a real name, right? Yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> um, they correct her and they tell her it's actually Thornhill. Is the name of the gentleman they're looking for. Oh, no. She says no, that she's I'm awfully sorry. sorry, but she hasn't seen. Well, good luck to you she both. Good luck as she starts to walk away. I, I'm sorry, but that does kind of sound uh, like maybe she's lying, but yeah. she also knows she's going to get away with it, too. Exactly what I was going to say. She she has the tone of someone who is does not give a crap that, you know, they know she's lying to them um, because there's nothing they can do. Like, what 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 possibly could they hold her up on? And, you know, whether or not she actually has some confidence in, in what's going on or just like I said, is a very attractive lady walking down the, the train tracks and in, in her uh, smart outfit and just like relying on, on that. I wouldn't put it past Hitchcock to have written the character as such. If, if you talk much for very long about Hitchcock, you will eventually get to Hitchcock's blondes. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the type that he had and, and that he wrote for. And, um, yeah, so it's, uh, I, I wouldn't put him past it to say that, you know, she's attracted an attractive woman who's had things handed to her. So therefore she is this confident, but you know, we will, we will go on to learn that she is also an accomplished grifter. Yeah. Maybe the right word. A professional liar. Yeah. She's yeah, she's, she's good. At, she's good at what she does. And we'll find out later that what she does may not be all that savory. So yeah, but uh, there's definitely a little bit of a skip in her step as she, she moves quickly to to catch up with her luggage and she does seem to have enjoyed herself greatly and now she's moving on to her next target yeah right so she's she yeah exactly um she's going to catch up with the poor sucker who thinks she's helping him and uh she does some very nonchalant low talking i'm asking him how are we doing well he very uh nonchalant or very chalantly i guess suspiciously looks back over his shoulders at the cops yeah that that was a bad move He's obviously no yeah. good at this game. No. Yes. He's, I mean, he's an advertising executive, so he's also a professional liar, but you know, not in the one-to-one sense that, that maybe she is. So. Yeah. Not to anyone's face. So, <laughs> so, um, it's clear that she's, uh, asking if their ruse is holding up, but he really How are we doing? To tell her that oh, he could collapse at any, any moment. moment. And you know, he begins to respond to that, but our minute ends. So, anything else for minute 61 of North by Northwest? Um, I will note that it is a musicless minute. You know, for we, yeah, well, we do get some good musical stings in this 10-minute batch, but uh, not in this one. It's a very, very quiet film. Almost silent sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it was a made in a different era. A master of his craft. Uh, you know, these were signature elements for him, so. Yeah. And, you know, the, the closest thing we get to music in these minutes is the the chug of the train and, and the, uh, the train whistles, it appears, disappears into the, into the distance. Um, and that's, yeah. that's good enough. I, I guess maybe following the subtlety of, of Eve and, you know, they, they don't 
they don't take great pains to reveal to you that the red cap porter she's leaving with is Thornhill until they have until she initially tells him to to go on ahead. Like, you know, if you're if you're watching it, especially if you're watching it on a on a large movie screen as as most people would have been at the time, you'll notice it. But there's definitely no telegraphing it until they start talking, I think. Um, would you agree? Yeah, there was there was a moment on my first viewing uh, where I didn't realize it was him. I just like I figured, you know, they were doing something else. There was some other plan afoot, and uh, but yeah, it was only about three seconds worth where you didn't know it was him. Right, but in, enough that like you know, there's so many so many times that we've when we were doing these movies by minutes, you've you've seen the whole movie likely several times, and you've seen this minute many times uh, over. Um, yep. you, you you can't always divorce yourself to be like did did the magic get me the first time? You know, did, did the, the subtlety of this storytelling where I didn't know that information, did it affect me? And, you know, unless you were taking good notes at the first time you saw it. Right. You, well, you it don't. did. It totally did. Um, yeah. that one's easy to admit to, cause I mean, I just, I, I saw it again just a moment ago and, you know, I was looking for it and yeah, there's, there's almost three seconds where you wouldn't know. You just wouldn't. And then if you weren't paying attention for some reason, when the camera reverses on him walking away, it doesn't even look like Cary Grant in that outfit. Yeah, no, that, agreed. It doesn't. I mean, it's definitely him because, you know, the, the motion is obviously synced. There's obviously, you know, more than one camera going and they're just doing it all in one take because, you know, they're in lockstep when the, when, uh, you know, the camera reverses. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a couple of bits there where they've totally got it. You know, just a few more words maybe about LaSalle Street Station, it, it doesn't exist like this anymore. As they're, they're walking, you can sort of see the, the dual level structure of it. Like you can see the part of the platform they are, they are walking past is raised above street level, but it, it essentially is, uh, it, it is not a, a train station that receives cross country trains like this anymore. And, you know, there are very few of those left anymore and they pretty much all fall under the Amtrak umbrella, which this is pre Amtrak where there were. You know, who knows how many different train lines. I'm sure there are people who know how many different train lines there were. Yeah. Uh, but we don't. Uh, no, no. Because yeah. they don't exist anymore and it's very sad. Yeah. There was a time in my life where expediency of travel was was what I uh, desired. But I've, I've been through enough TSA and enough flight delays now that <laughs> train travel sounds a lot more attractive to me. Yeah. Very relaxing and plenty quick enough. So, and plus, you know, you've got space to to hide your gentleman collars in the uh, in, in the overhead <laughs> bin. You know, I'm going to need two. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, if you could uh, if you could take trips with well dressed ladies like like Eve, I think that would be that'd be uh, th- there's certain romanticism about that. You know, no one no one dresses up oh, to fly no. anymore. People in you? their sweats and their jammies. Like I'm a thousand year old years old making that comment, but but there's a certain romanticism about the train, yep. and, and you know this, <laughs> even the the um, you know the 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 guys there to help you with your luggage, right? Like that's that's even a sort of a romantic thing. Yeah, we we don't help each other with anything anymore. So you would definitely have to no. pay those guys before they would even come oh, pick yeah. up. These guys will accept a tip afterwards, but they're not expecting it from everyone. Yeah, that's probably true. You can sort of tell that. He is not your professional baggage handler, sort of. By the way, he struggles with the the. Yeah, I'm pretty sure bags, any none of the other guys are going to have a bag up under their armpit. They're going to have them all splayed out by the handles, no matter how many they have to carry. Yeah, yeah, you'd think. 
or some sort of cart. Where are the carts in all Well, there, there was a cart. Uh, there's a, a bit there. The guy has a big red, uh, it's like a dolly, except it's got an extended um, uh, oh, on sure. there. Yeah, so it's meant for putting, see, it's red, just like their caps. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So we're, so we're just going to chalk this up to Thornhill being bad at his job. His new job. His new job. His newly acquired yeah, don't job. Don't worry. He's planning on quitting soon. <laughs> oh, okay. He's not even going to put in his notice? No, no. He decided he didn't like it, just didn't show up tomorrow. <laughs> hmm. Well, after he paid all that money for the uniform, you'd think he'd at least want, well, whatever. That's in the next minute, maybe. Mm, maybe two minutes. Away. Anyway, somewhere. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anything uh, else interesting you'd like to say about uh, luggage or um, train travel or anything now? Uh, no, I think I'll hold my peace on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, so you can find the Hitchcock Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, or on the main, main site at hitchcockminute.com. You can connect with us and all of the other previous hosts and all the future hosts on social media at The Man on Washington's Nose. The Man on Washington's Nose. Okay, I did read that right. <laughs> um, on Facebook and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. That's at Hitchcock Minute. I'll probably one word. Who knows? You know how Twitter works. Don't, don't get on me about this. But do... Do not get on me, but do join us for Minute 62 of North by Northwest tomorrow here on Hitchcock Minute. Goodbye, Mr. Thornhill, wherever you are.